Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez, and that is not Brad Binkley. No, I'm a, I'm a much, <laughs> much more unattractive Cam Harless, unfortunately. Well, you are Cam Hairless. It's true. I mean, I love naked Cam, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to yeared Cam as well. Yeah. Oh, so for what sure. listeners don't realize that Cam shaved his beard and he has a little butt chin under there. It's pretty cute. Got a little, got a little cleft right here. <laughs> yes. Very, very cute. Um, and we are going to have a good time today, even though we are a little worried about Brad. He had, he's fine, but he had a family emergency. So we're hoping everything is okay there. So he is not here right now. I do want to tell people, though, it's Thursday, so we are broadcasting live on Rumble and Rockfit, so that's super maybe, fun. Maybe, maybe not Rumble, though, maybe. because I don't think that's working, but we're on Rockfit, okay. I can tell you that much. It looks like Rumble <laughs> fell off and shriveled up and fell off, so uh, I think we're also on Twitter, too, so that's fun. But anyway, so the Twitter stuff will go away after the free 30 is over, and Rockfin will endure through the XR, and I did have one... One correction from yesterday. So, Cam, have you ever heard the call made from a, a fan of Joan's sausage that they started making the sausage thing not 16 ounces but 12 ounces and they put sage in it, which is really for Yankees? And <laughs> I have not I have not heard this, but it's, it it's, sounds very familiar. It's a fantastic. He said he's got two plump Scotch girls at home. And his wife and his daughter, and they cannot live on steak and eggs alone. They need a full 16-ounce sausage. And anyway, so I, we, there's this long debate between my husband and me that whether it's real or not, it really sounds mm. real. But yesterday I was talking about it with Brad, and we even put it in the show notes, but I kept saying it was Randy Weaver. Randy oh, yeah, Weaver. No. That's, that's Ruby Ridge. Right. It's Randy <laughs> Taylor. It's Randy Taylor who's the sausage guy. And actually, you should tell people to listen to your fantastic Ruby Ridge and Waco. We should put those in the show notes. Yeah. So the, they are all on our Patreon, but I have them for free on the Patreon because I'm like, hey. Oh, that's nice. Get it. You can have a taste of my the, my best work besides talking right. to Monica last night on the show. So Cute. if you go to patreon.com slash the mad ones, you can actually search, search through it. Episode 35 is when I did the the red pill of the week for Ruby Ridge. And then 39 through 41 are my episodes on Waco, which we're right in the middle of the time frame of when that happened. So yes. in between yes, February it was 28th and March, yes. I want to say 19th, yeah, it was, was when... Uh, was when the standoff in Waco was. So uh, if you want to catch, just, get caught up on 29 years ago, it's a good yeah, time to do it. <laughs> so now I'm in love with your butt chin, but prior to that, I was in love with you for your <laughs> your dulcet tones on that, oh, yeah. those red pills. So yes, patreon.com slash the mad ones. Mm -hmm. And they are there. And I'll, I've tweeted them a couple times, but I'll tweet them today so that you can okay. see them at right. Ham Carlos because I lost my account. I know. I can't believe it. I don't know what I would do if I lost my Twitter account. <laughs> I have like 17,000 followers on Twitter. I don't think I would get them back. I I retained a little less than 50% of what I lost. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But, well, what are you going to do? That's, that's just censorship happens. Yeah, probably talk about Ukraine though. And, and yes, yes. I mean, that is the story of the hour, week, yeah. month. 
So yeah. which, what's the latest? Well, see, that's the thing. They don't want us to think about COVID anymore. So they're talking about Ukraine. And I think, and I talked about this briefly with Monica last night, but I think that part of what's going on is they have this going and they have the people all riled up as the moral good guys and standing with Ukraine because they could no longer pull that off in the COVID world. Like wearing a mask was no longer hero well, status. There was a symbolic action. It wasn't symbolic at all. It was very real, but it it is a manifestation of what you're talking about. In order to pass the $1.5 trillion spending bill Nancy Pelosi, and you know, maybe this was symbolic, like maybe there was something to this. She pulled out $15 billion of pre-approved COVID dollars. I was going to go to the States mostly and replaced it with $15 billion, I mean, roughly, I'm talking more yeah. numbers, of Ukraine aid. Selling and that'll out. just piss you off. And that Ukraine aid <laughs> was going to a variety of other countries. So instead of giving right. the money to a variety of states, they're giving it to a variety of countries. And it's such a, given the corruption over there, it is a complete moral hazard, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, when I was looking through the news, which I told you last night, I only do if I come on your show. I know. I hated bringing <laughs> this on you this morning. But when I was reading it, I read the most BS, clear propaganda headline of my life. The one that makes my eyes roll, which the headline was U.S. says Russia may seek to use chemical biological weapons in Ukraine. Now we know what that's yeah. cover up for, right? <laughs> well, I did uh, a deep dive on it, I think. Oh, oh did you? But so. my first thought was, why would I care what the U.S. says Russia is going to do? Why would I care? Good but point. beyond that, if you actually, it was a Canadian article that I read from CBC.ca. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, is. yeah. I know what you're talking about. Um, but they essentially cited Jen Psaki and her <laughs> her analysis of this as being false. So the actual chief propagandist, like that would yes. be her name, like the chief, the head of the Ministry of Propaganda, if that's, we still use those terms. Right, but you'll never believe, though, what she mentioned as her proof that it was actually, so here's, here's her point. She says that Russia and Putin have said that there are biological weapons being created in Ukraine, and that is part of why they're doing their operation. And so she, what she says is because they said that, that means Russia's about to start using biological and chemical weapons in Ukraine. Are you So her proof was... There's a that, pattern. Right. Okay. And, and and of course, to prove this point... smelt it, felt it. Like, that's her, that's her argument. Yep. <laughs> and so to prove this, guess what she brought in as proof that Russia has done this before and will do it again. What has she brought in as proof? I don't know. You're st I'm stumped already. There was this very high profile sarin gassing in Syria oh, a couple of, of years ago. Oh, my gosh. How did I not know that? <laughs> that clearly Russia perpetrated. And what about the Skirple thing? <laughs> Remember, like Skirpal, whatever they get. There was like the guy got poisoned by touching yeah. his doorknob. Yeah, they they mentioned two other uh, Russian yeah. dudes that have been killed by biological weapons. The I don't know anything about this story. Guy, yeah, all every one of those is not Putin. I'm not saying Putin wouldn't do stuff like that and doesn't, but why don't they give us real examples? That's what's annoying to me. It's like yeah. anytime that every single example is something I absolutely know to be a false flag or a false yeah. story, uh, it diminishes their credibility right? like if there's just just don't you you know assume there's one that's true use that well that's the beauty of it because she said now that russia has made these false claims and china has seemingly endorsed this propaganda 
we should all be on the lookout for Russia to possibly use chemical or biological weapons in Ukraine or to create false fla a false flag operation using them. Well, you know what I think they're trying to... Yeah, they taught, they've been doing that, but... The... What I think they might be trying to cover up is they have a bunch of biological illegal. Russia is saying that they now feel that they have evidence that it was illegal against the bioweapons treaty or whatever, yeah. bioweapons labs under the places that they struck. So Russia went and struck all the places that had the bioweapons labs. And they said that they gave Ukraine a chance to get rid of the stuff that would, you know, explode or whatever and spread around. But if to the extent that we're denying that, that we had anything illegal going on there and the Russian strikes maybe will spread that stuff around, they could say it was Russia dropping biological, biological yeah. weapons. It's just wild to watch them talk about false flags and propaganda yeah. from the the pedestal of the propagandist like it's yes it's yes it's oh wow. it's like so that i think they call self a werewolf i've never heard that before. Yeah, <laughs> i think that's what it is it's self a werewolf uh yes that's her maybe i'll have to write that in my in You're the next newsletter as a glossary term yes my glossary <laughs> my monicaisms the self a werewolf so as a matter of fact, we're going to write a note to myself there right now. Self-aware. Well, so, okay. That's bad podcasting. That's okay. <laughs> okay. That's okay for your show, Cam. Yeah. But it's, mine's it's not, trash. I do that on your show. <laughs> well, you're drunk half the time. So uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I've never seen you drunk. That's only, actually only like with a Brad. scandalous thing. And I don't, well, I've not seen it. So I will well, not. I will tell you. Drunkenness. There are episodes where I've gotten buzzed with Brad, and you know that I'm buzzed, not drunk, buzzed, right. when I start telling everyone on the show how much I love them. Ah, that's super <laughs> sweet. That's super sweet. Yeah, you got to watch it, though, because that little euphoric moment doesn't always get you to the end of the show. Sometimes you're at the other, the other side of that, and you've got, you're not on your game, but you're not even drunk anymore. But anyway, we're getting derailed. So let me tell you that the biggest news that I saw today was the Russia bombs maternity hospital. This is on the cover of my Wall Street Journal. I'm showing Cam a picture of a burned out building and a bunch of guys who kind of look like casual soldiers <laughs> carrying a woman on a stretcher who's clearly super uber pregnant. She's got a bloody gash in her left thigh and she really stands out. It's a very well-framed picture because she's on like a watermelon blanket, a blanket that's pink and green. Yeah. looks like a big watermelon. So you really can't, it's very well-framed. So because it's a maternity hospital now I'm thinking, I don't believe that. So what do the Russians say? So again, for more let me just ask you. Yeah. Let me just ask you. Mm -hmm. Um, did they throw babies from incubators? I believe there were some <laughs> some babies injured. <laughs> because Nayira. Yes, I know that the Iraqi soldiers. Yes, this is a lot like that. We'll have to refer people to a proven fraud that got us into the Iraq war. So by our own people, of course. Okay, so the Russian foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, uh I just like him because he's a baller. So mm -hmm. he denied Ukrainian claims that Russian troops had shelled an operating maternity hospital in Ukraine. He says the building had been used as a base by the far right Azov battalion, 
Uh, that's a National Guard of Ukraine. That Azov Battalion is, I believe, I mean, I, I have an article from Washington Post, New York Times, from when it was established in 2014, unequivocally Nazi, including its yeah. insignia. So I've talked many times or several times about what I really think is going on there with the Nazis, but we'll leave that aside for a sec. <laughs> the hospital in question has been uh, for days already under the control of the Ukrainian paramilitary group, and Moscow presented evidence of this to the UN Security Council several days ago, Lavrov said. So it was not only was it not a civilian target, it was a disgusting, cowardly thing to set up your operations in a maternity hospital to dislodge those people so that you could take cover. I mean, it's it's as if they it's not quite as bad as if they put they hid behind um, pregnant people, but that's how they wanted to get their cover. It says um, the Azov Battalion and other radicals kicked out all the expectant mothers, the nurses, other staff members, and they use it as the base of the ultra radicals. He said that the reports coming from Ukraine that contradict this were obviously meant to, quote, manipulate global public opinion about what's happening in Ukraine. And he chastised the Western media for taking part in that propaganda effort. Uh, on the other hand, Zelensky said in a video that the incident proved that Russia was conducting a genocide of the Ukrainian people and called on other nations to stop Russian atrocities. But I would say, you know, who's conducting the genocide, true to their name, are the Nazis there against yeah. the Donbassians. So there you go. Speaking uh, truth oh. in one of the few places you're going to find it. One thing that I saw the other day is... Um, it reminded me a lot of the Gouda chemical attack, which we mentioned earlier, the Syrian false yep. flag attack uh, and all the white helmets and the 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 way they staged so much stuff. And you can clearly see that. Mm -hmm. I I can't confirm this completely, but there was a man that I, I saw on Twitter who was taking video of his trip to Kiev. Kiev. How do you say it? Tell me how to I say, say it. I say Kiev. Kiev. Okay. Kiev. Because I want to say Kiev because that's how I've heard it my entire Kiev life. Kiev seems a little wrong, but Kiev, I mean, that, that is how Victoria worst. Newland always said it. Uh, I think, you know, I've heard Ukrainians and it's as if they swallow that E. So Kiev. Kiev. Is how they um, would say it, I think. But this guy rode a train through Poland and the whole time he had his camera on him, he, he took video of the newspaper that he was, he had on that day. He walked through Kiev, he went to all these different places where they said that there was all of this battling going on and didn't see any battling whatsoever. But one of the things, and even if the rest of it, even if they just didn't happen to be battling while he was there, but there, do you know what a video village is on a um, Hollywood set? No. So in, if you're in Hollywood, there's something called video village. And that's where the, the director sits down and watches all of these different screens of what's being filmed at the same time. And so that he can make directions, see up really close and see what's being captured by the cameras. There was in this guy's video, a little video, video village in Kiev as if they had professional people shooting what was going on and all the atrocities in that city. So I'm not saying anything about this. All I'm telling you is I saw a video village in the middle of a war where there's plenty of very well-documented and uh, confessed to propaganda co going on. Right, right. So don't so, trust any so of it. So are you, 
Are you inferring that there are false flags being staged there? Or are you saying that they're um, exaggerating what's happening by being by highly curating the images? I think that it may be a mixture of both. Right. I think so. I, 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 I can't this say definitive, definitively on fake. the first. Right. This picture on the front page of the Wall Street Journal is fake. Yeah, but the so, fact that they they have this set staged, up for 4K imagery, yes, so they can have their propaganda yes. in 4K for everyone to see. Mm, yes. I don't buy any of it. Yes. I, I, I don't either. And a couple of things is in the beginning, all you ever saw was the same picture with like a plume of smoke way in the background mm -hmm. because Russia did take out an airport out, outside yeah. of there, or whatever. And the refugees, there are two reasons that's happening. Ukraine is panicking its own people. And by opening the doors, when you have a shithole country, which I've heard people in Ukraine saying that, like, it's been terrible. Um, Zelensky's totally corrupt. Their uh, their economy is awful. So that all you have to do, if you want to spread this problem, if you want to make people think there's a big problem, if you want refugees everywhere, uh, all you have to do is open the doors from a place that has problems. Yeah. So, well, and, and then they'll, that was a they'll, lot of they want to protect their their asylum status, so they're going to spout whatever they have to spout. Well, and that was a lot of the stuff that the guy pointed out was the air raid sirens that would play randomly, the the lights in the streets, the cops playing random that they would uh, close doors so that people when they were going into the train stations were bottlenecked, so it looked like it was a frenzy. Like wow. he was just showing all of this different stuff, and I'm like, I don't know if I can trust this guy. But if this is yeah. true, if what I'm seeing is real. It this is a huge propaganda campaign. Yes, yes. I would say I don't know if what that guy's saying is true. However, what you're saying makes sense. Like closing doors to make a bottleneck sounds sounds like something they could do. So now you just have to look and say, well, it could be this, but it could be that. Like now yeah. we actually know the mechanism that we can maybe try to figure out yeah. by looking. That's interesting. And I think a lot of that propaganda is meant to scare the people of Ukraine so that they act in these ways. Uh, I, I know someone who was not in the slightest bit worried, and then they literally parked a tank in front of his house and said he would not be able to leave if he went back in. He had, like, <laughs> abandoned his laptop and left, went to Poland. Well, you know, we talked he's about He's not last the only night. one who's leaving. Yeah, he, he's not. We talked about it last night, but there are a lot of uh, corporate neo-fascist sanctions from corporations going on. And the biggest one is Goldman Sachs is the, actually the first major Wall Street bank to pull out of Russia. They've decided that, you know what, we're not even going to do any business with Russia wow. whatsoever. That's amazing to me. And, and it's like I it's hard because this is one of those times where, like I said, I've told you before, it's I'm looking at this stuff. I'm looking at the propaganda. I'm looking at what's going on. And I it's all very transparently false. But it's like, who do you trust? Well, I mean, I think they're doing that. Like, is it permanent or what? I actually, the deep dive I'm going to do is about the digi dollar that's bearing mm. down on us. And it seems to me that I, I was really scratching my head about the SWIFT thing and mm -hmm. that we're cutting those people, Russia and China, off from SWIFT. It almost feels like you're accelerating a process of transformation that they were kind of already wanting to do. So I, my expectation is that maybe these people are kind of like getting off the grid so that they can reset it. 
Yeah. Well, they're they're not just so. Uh, what was the Goldman, Goldman Sachs? Sachs is gone. Citigroup is planning on Citigroup is big next and it's commercial. Wednesday I'm, are leaving Russia. They're closing down um, operations for um, the people. Not not just Russia. They're not just cutting off Russia, the state from the financial markets, which is what's going to happen. They're trying to completely cut yeah. off everything from russia That's i worked at Citibank. and it was huge yeah i assume it's oh, yeah, as so. huge as it used to be i mean huge as respect to the tens of thousands of people that work there around the world so yeah so city announced uh, a year ago it says a year ago no that way. it would exit its consumer banking business in russia and a oh, dozen other okay. countries well if so, it was a year ago then it was a strategic decision yeah. yeah, and I think oh. the city. I think there's a chick who runs it now, and I think she brought in like they do every so often. I don't know what a strategy team. A lot of times it's outside consultants, and they were fundamentally restructuring their business. So for me, I feel like the way COVID shut down the world's economy, and a great reset means a reset to zero. And sometimes you close your apps when you reboot your computer. That it's quite possible that what they're doing is just. You know, and it's like the way they emptied out L.A. and New York. And I'm sh and my guess is that they're going to make, you know, s make those cities smart cities before they encourage people to come back. I just I feel like the, this there's a great like emptying out before the great reset. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like you're painting I, your house. You got to put some put some stuff on hold. And I do think that there is some strategic advantage in the great reset model to um attack russia and cut them off because russia is one of the few um may, i mean at least somewhat western seeming countries they're kind of in the middle like they're part asia part europe but they're white countries that haven't fallen to a lot of the very western and i'll say degenerate ideas so these are these are not people that are that think like Americans that are not they're not quite as consumerist as Americans. They don't do the same things that Americans do. And so cutting them off to more or less uh, not be able to be a part of these things, I think, is strategic because they're going to be the holdouts. Uh, I don't really understand what you're saying. I, I understand think, what you're saying about them having a more conservative culture. They don't um, go in for the identity politics or the intersectionality, any of that stuff. Yeah. But what are you saying about, I mean, they, what are you saying? I think that they are going to, they seem very strongly to be one of the countries that would not become a part of the Great Reset like the others. And so crippling them to the point where oh, they have okay. to, I think does, either they will come in or they'll kick them out of See, that. I feel like it's, I feel like there's something different going on, which is, okay. I think, uh, but you might be right. But but I, my gut is that what they're doing is they find it very useful to have um, an, a, a duopoly. So they like it for Republican, Democrat. They like it. So if you have too much, um, I feel like if they if Russia and China go off on its own finance, energy, everything. Yeah. It chip manufacturing and chip consumption. It's quite possible that that the West, certainly in some of the areas, will think of themselves as having uh, a, a stranglehold on supply. And although the potential demand is only half, they'll have 100% of it. Yeah. And that if they want to have two parallel systems, it may, you know, kind of decrease the 
the democratic efficiency of a world market and that any of that kind of slop is going to end up profits at the top. I think there's a chance of that. Yeah. I, and, I think and you know, that conflict is valuable to them. You need to oh, have yeah. conflict so that you can have the, the military industrial complex, which is banking, in my opinion, energy and defense all benefit from this approach. And the press, but I'm just saying that military industrial <laughs> complex, I mean, the press is a tool anyway. So, um, <laughs> but, a lot of money off of but in contrast, <laughs> in this country, we do not have that restriction. The, uh, we're going in the other direction culturally. Yeah. And culturally, culturally, there seem to be a lot of fights right now over, uh, still over homosexuality and somewhat, but a lot of the fight it's couched in gay terms, but it, it's conveniently it's conveniently couched in gay terms because that's more comfortable to the populace than talking about transgenderism, which is the real fight that's going on right now. And so th recently there was a bill in Florida that just that was just passed. I want to say in the in the House that they the left has been calling the don't say gay bill. I want you to guess how many times the word gay is actually used in this bill. <laughs> I'm going to say zero. Zero. Or LGBT. Do you think that's ever mentioned? Oh, that I might think. Nope. It's not. Hmm. So the, the actual name of the bill. That they're Can I just the... tell you what I thought it was when I heard the was? Don't Say Gay Bill? Like South Park? Like when you call something gay because it's uncool? <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> stop, like, stop don't say kids. gay. Yeah, I, I was like, I stopped saying gay like when I was... <laughs> Eighth grade, like what? Who's still saying "get"? <laughs> uh, me and Stephen Ignoramus, probably. <laughs> oh gosh, okay. But okay. I decided, you know what? I'm going to read this bill and see what's actually in it. Because if you read Mark Hamill's yes, tweets, I know what you mean. Yeah, you see him just repeating the word "gay" 69 times in a tweet, and and in solidarity of being yes. against the the "don't say yeah. gay" bill. The right. name of the bill. It's called the Parental Rights and Education Bill. Okay. And so you you would think that there would be some provision that you cannot mention homosexuality in the bill. But it doesn't say that. What it says is this is a bill that goes from between kindergarten and third grade. So in Florida. That's, that's it. This bill yeah. only pertains to kindergarten to third grade. Kindergarten to third grade. So that's eight years old. Around the ages of five to six to eight. That's it. That's what it covers. And what it says is that they they are prohibiting classroom discussion about sexual orientation at all. Not just gay. Okay. They're prohibiting it about sexual orientation in general. So whichever one, I think they're 900 now. But they're prohibiting that or discussion on gender identity. How about sex? Do they do sex ed? Do they talk about abortion? It doesn't say anything about that. Okay. But it does say just prohibiting classroom discussion on se sexual orientation or gender identity, which are very, their identity, identity things, their who people are kind of things. And so I read through this bill and it stuck out to me that one, this is about giving parents one, letting parents set the stage and have the conversations about these things, which I'm very, I'm very for. Mm -hmm. I don't want some uh, high school or, or preschool teacher teaching my children about how they could be a boy or a girl. I don't want them teaching my children about whether or not they like to, they would like to have sex with an, another, with a boy or a girl. Like I don't need these conversations 
from the ages of six to eight. Well, because it's it's developmentally inappropriate. Yeah, and then that's what the bill says. It says um, they they can teach about these things in a um, a a standard that is based on developmental development. So they can still have conversations about these things that is, you know, developmentally appropriate. Right. And, and other things that it's, that it covers. And I think that it, what we're looking at is this is another one of um, Ron DeSantis and he's the face of this, but yeah. he and the people that are like him are pushing against a lot of things that we're seeing that are very scary to parents these days. Like if you've ever been on TikTok, you've run into someone who says they're a kindergarten teacher oh, or a second grade teacher. Yeah, but you see these people who are talking about. Yeah, I, you know, I talk to my second graders about my ab about gay about being gay this this morning. And I talk to them about my my gender, about my how I'm non-binary. All of this, no parents don't want this. Parents want to be able to have the conversations with their kids. Right, it's inappropriate and, and irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Yeah. So it goes to the whole thing of sex ed in schools. I didn't like it when my Catholic school taught my third graders about uh, they were anti-abortion, but they talked to them about abortion, which gave them made these kids ask questions about sex, which they were not really ready for at all. However, it was a private school. I probably should have known that that's what they were. <laughs> they actually went on like field trips to protest abortion um, on Roe versus Wade Day, whatever. So I probably should have been aware of what was happening. It seemed a little young to me. I had some questions I had to answer that I wasn't ready to answer. And I, I feel like to the extent that you have compulsory education and public schooling, so when you make it compulsory, you usually have to provide for it. Then what what is the basis for compulsory education? Are they are, is the idea behind compulsory education to teach people to read and write or to form their character? Like what is the government's stated purpose in compelling education? So. One of the I mean, I'm not, I'm not expecting you to know that, but I'm just, that's a, just a question yeah. for us to think about going forward. What's the government's place in education? If, since we live in, a, in one with where public education exists and there are children who are put in these prisons every day, mm -hmm. um, ideological and political ideals should not be instilled into, to young children. That's I, just I, Lenin's I idea. Um, but one of the things that, I think is kind of one of the scarier parts of this that this bill takes care of is like I said, if you go on TikTok, if you go into these other areas, you'll start to see these people talking about this. And one of the things I've heard a couple of these people say who are teachers in public schools is that if you're transgender or you're gay and your parents don't agree with that or don't don't like that, I will be your mom now. You can join my glitter family and I will take that place. And yes. So, yes. Okay. So it also goes to the basic: what is the rights and role of the parent? Yeah. Now, does the and, kid have independent rights and interests that the parent, unless the parents actually deemed incompetent, right? You know, uh, which should take a jury of the parents' peers. And so, what it, it in the bill it shows, and what I've seen, like people talk about this, is what is it's a reaction to? Are these these people who are telling kids that it, they're a transgender and you need to have this surgery and you need to have this. And we don't have to tell your mom or dad, we can just push for these things and do all of this okay. and I can help you through the school. So, so this bill is trying to stop that. Yeah. yeah. Because the, the bill, it says that 
and even makes it, it even makes um, a certain what's the word I'm looking for allowances. But um, so what it says is that schools are no longer allowed to withhold mental health information of their children. They have to be able to have it with the kids. If the kids are to fill out a form, they have to give the form to the parents first to sign. Oh off my them. gosh! Of course, it, it's very. How can it's it's so simple, and it's like yes, of course we want that, but no, that's not that's not what they want. But it's it's really I'm, I'm just. I can't believe that's not already a law. There are a lot of scary people out there. Wow. The fact that it has to be a law is. Yes, right. Because I, you know, I have a son who has Down syndrome, and they do like mental eval, and he makes stories up. So I'm very sensitive to that, and I always yeah. say, like, I want to be there. You can't do it without me. You have to tell me what the questions you're going to ask him are ahead of time. Yeah, uh, because I'm very, and it's a, actually it's a, a rather nice school. They, but they do, they, around. they do make an allowance though that if there is any sign that the parents if the kid was to come out as gay, if the kid was to say he was transgender, if there was any chance of abuse, then it doesn't apply to those specific situations. So there's even an allowance. Oh, yes, say, hey, of course. Yes, yes. Hey, I if, That's what I'm saying. It's You can't, if a, if a parent's guilty, then you have a problem. But if, if it's just a regular, ordinary parent, you can't um, presume they don't have those rights. And then you have to yeah. think of it as a bigger picture. Thank gosh. And you would think that the don't say gay bill would say gay once. Is all yes, I'm saying. you would. You would think so <laughs> or not, depending. And I totally thought it was about not being not, not saying <laughs> not gay. You. That might hurt some of these feelings. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, I uh, would like to get to the deepest dive of the day. Uh, but before I do that, let me tell you, we're going to talk about in the XR. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about this, but the uh, Whitmer Wolverines or whatever are on trial for trying to kidnap her. Kind of ridiculous uh, story back there. I'll tell you about. And where's the beef? Inflation strikes the heart of Texas culture. That's a story only I can deliver. My heart, you know, I've got a, a soft spot in my heart for Texas. But before we get to any of that, I want to thank our sponsors. I think, Cam, that you they, these guys might be your sponsors also, or you may love these products as I do, but True Hemp Science. Yeah. True Hemp Science. I love my friend Chris. I think you've had him on your show. I've had him on my show. I haven't uh, had him on my show, but I, oh. I have had his products, and they're very good. Man, are they good. And I was never interested in that kind of thing. And as you know, for Lent, I don't drink, you know, I get my little dispensations for the DPP and <laughs> St. Patrick's Day. But I've I've often found that after dinner during the week, I'll just put a few drops. I like the nano emulsified stuff that has turmeric in it. I really, really mm -hmm. love it. And I'll put a few drops in there. And it's gotten to the point where I am totally confident that it has a real positive impact on my anxiety level, my sleeping and my mood the next day. And it all in a positive way. I can, there's not in my experience. Uh, I just absolutely love it. I'm not making any promises. I don't think I, I it's like a very nuanced thing here, but, uh, if you are already a, a, um, user of CBD products, I can, say, I, I don't think there's any CBD products that's higher quality than true hemp science. I can't see that. I can't either. I've, I've tried different CBD products. And one of the things that I'll say about it 
is most of the times when you get a CBD dropper and you put that under your tongue, most other places, they taste like lemon or they taste like this mm. or that. And it's like, that's fine. It's very, it's, it's might be a nice flavor, yeah. but the true hemp science, it <laughs> tastes like hemp. Oh my gosh. And if the ones that you're supposed to drop into water, you actually put under your tongue instead, holy cow. So <laughs> there's some that are too potent to do that. And mm. it'll like burn my throat. I'm like, oh shoot. Like, I think that was one of those ones you have to put in the water, but I even use the soothing muscle rub. And like, if you yeah. get that stuff in your eyes, like this stuff is really, he puts a lot of expensive stuff in these products. Yeah. Those that rub, I will tell anyone who buys it, it does have capsaicin in it, which is the, the thing. That oh, makes... is that what makes it yeah. stingy? Okay. Cause I know yeah. it is stingy and it Definitely. I, it works for me. I think it rushes blood to the area or something yeah. like whatever that all, is. I'll put socks over say, my hands when I put it on. All I'm going to say is if you use it, since it has the same ingredient in peppers that make them hot. Yes. Do not use the bathroom immediately thereafter. Okay. Just I don't. Understand. Definitely it's don't. It's good stuff. It's very natural right. stuff. Right. Be careful. There you go. <laughs> well, that's it. It's so, so potent. We are issuing a warning. <laughs> and in addition to that sponsorship, we hope you sponsor us directly. Patreon.com slash the mad ones or patreon.com slash propaganda report. You will get a lot of value and a lot of fun community and love and good feeling from either of those <laughs> Patreon accounts. Thank and you. with that, let us get to the deepest dive of the day. So it's, I don't know how deep I can get with the time allotted and with a little change up in our routine. I didn't have my normal like full hour to dig into this deep dive. But what happened was Biden put out an executive order ordering a very specific kind of task force, whatever you want to call it, to look at the a central bank digital currency, CBDC. Mm -hmm. Uh, on behalf of the U.S. And he talks about a lot of things. I think the he acknowledges the demand for and the potential of digital currencies, but he calls for regulations in the interests of a lot of things. So he said, um, I'll read it, but first I want to just say there is, he actually starts the executive order by saying like, by the power vested in me by the U.S. Constitution, which by the way, if ever he had no power under the Constitution, the Constitution has almost nothing on currency. And what it does have is not under the executive branch. It's Article 1, Section 8. It says Congress shall have the power to coin money, regulate the value thereof, and of foreign coin. And uh, it says from Section 10, it says no state shall make anything but gold and silver coin a tender in payment of debts. So it sounds like Congress has the power to coin money to regulate its value, which is a little fiat -y and uh, and of foreign coins. So, oh, I guess it, it, you know, I guess it's definitely making an allowance for coin not being strictly pure gold or pure silver in relation to other countries, for example, but that the states, sounds like the states can make, can use gold and silver coin in tender uh, and payment of debts. So it's the, I guess you can't, states are not permitted to use anything but gold and silver. So he says in this executive order. Oh, he doesn't want the states having their own digital currency. No, sorry. I was reading from the constitution. No, oh, okay. 
Yes, I was reading. It was, it's so foreign to us now that we can't even recognize it when we hear it. But I was reading from the Constitution saying that the Biden has absolutely no right whatsoever right. to opine on this. And it's the opposite. He's saying, like, it's my power to. And what they, what he's saying in the executive order is they're going to make up recommendations and tell Congress the law to pass. And I object to that on constitutional grounds. It's not uncommon, but I don't like it. Anyway, this is from the executive order. Advances in digital and distributed ledger technology for financial services. So it's Bitcoin. It's just, uh, Bitcoin and blockchain. blockchain is it's actually defined later. For financial services have led to dramatic growth in markets for digital assets. So this is where I say Bitcoin was a setup from the beginning. Um, NFTs too. Yeah, with profound implications for the protection of consumers. So Coinbase did eat my ray. So, you know, I'm I'm on board with this. Investors and businesses, including data privacy and security, financial stability and systemic risk, crime, national security, the ability to exercise human rights, financial inclusion and equity, and energy demand and climate change. That's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. He he talks about the fact that the U.S. is a global leader in is the global leader in finance and money, and that we need to maintain that and promote that. And I would say that he's doing that not for us, but for his cronies. But I'm not even sure that's true. I think it there's a chance that they are allowing. China and Russia to actually get a head start because we're actually not on the cutting edge. I mean, some countries have actually already issued these things and China has one. And um, I forget who even mm -hmm. uh, the Bahamas has one. I think maybe Ecuador or something is using it as their currency. Yeah. I can't remember, but China has one. So they are ahead of us in this. And by kicking them off swift, it, we've already covered in this show that you're accelerating their, um, alternative to the existing financial system. So when you do that, like that's why like a war-torn country sometimes has better telecom or newer buildings because it just got wiped out and then you just build it up from scratch and it's ahead of the legacy countries that didn't get wiped out. Yeah. So that could be it. it. But what I thought was very interesting as far as if you're talking about Bitcoin or if you're interested in it for that reason, a couple of lines, the potential relationship, this is one of the things they're studying, the potential relationship between a CBDC, central bank digital currency, and private sector administered digital assets. So the potential relationship between those two, because that's the real question with Bitcoin, in my opinion. How, how will it be affected by the digi-dollar? How will it be affected by the digi-dollar? Will it be a foundational thing, or will it be regulated into a diminished value proposition. And then he says also um, the future, they're looking into the future of sovereign and privately produced money globally and the implications for our financial system and democracy. So they're looking into the implications of Bitcoin. So he's asserting, in my opinion, he's asserting his authority to regulate it based on national security, financial stability, all of that kind of stuff. He also gets into privacy and how if you have too much privacy, it opens the door to human trafficking. It gets into mining and how that's uh, environmentally unsound to mine for digital. So I'm wondering if they're actually going to, I don't know if, if the last Bitcoin ever can be mined, but it would certainly be a, an energy intensive thing to, to, 
to do. So maybe they'll stop that and then you'll have Bitcoin wherever it is and nothing else can have that level of scarcity again if they are going to limit it in that way. And then, um, you know, I have a lot here. Maybe we can get to it a little bit in the XR. But the last thing I wanted to say was um, they also are looking into the potential uses of blockchain that could support monitoring or mitigating technologies to climate impacts, such as exchanging of liabilities for greenhouse gas emissions, water, and other natural or environmental assets. So they're going to use blockchain for monitoring and mitigating technologies for climate stuff, which is everything, right? Anything that uses electricity is a climate issue. And they're going to use that for monitoring. And of course, they're going to use it for all sorts of monitoring, all sorts. When, if they really believed in democracy, like they say they do, what they would do is they would they would use, they would update our voting the way we vote to use the blockchain. So there was an immutable record of every single vote that could not be wow. questioned. All that I'm would saying- be- Super cool, and I don't even think you'd need ID to do that, right? Well, I, I don't know how it would be worked out, but I've been saying since before 2020 that um, someone out there with the mind for it who can build it yeah. should build a parallel voting situation with the yeah. blockchain to actually check the results versus oh. the paper ballots. And wow. Mail-in ballots. If someone had the gumption yeah. to do that, get that implemented, we'd be able to see real quick who's cheating and who's not. I would say they could do it just in one single county. Yeah. You can't do it in the whole country right, right off the bat. It would be a tremendous effort. But do, Put it in Maricopa County. <laughs> perfect. I'm sure they would be down for it. So there was just an article I read about this. Um, David Yermak, a professor and the chair of the finance department at NYU, has a bunch of stuff to say about it. But the one thing that I thought was most interesting, and I've been all over this since I read an IMF blog post to this effect, which I think Dean sent me, it says, um, oh, wasn't Dean, was it Sir Tim? I can't remember now. If the cash is electronic, the government can just erase 2% of your money every year. I think this is going to become a necessity just because of the demographic changes in the world. Now, I don't understand what he's saying about <laughs> the demographic changes, but I understand what a negative interest rate is. And that then makes it really not a store of value. And it greatly discourages savings because you have to buy something. Mm -hmm. And I would just say, okay, buy gold, but they might pull an FDR and then just like ban private ownership of gold. Yeah. So I've got a couple of wraps here and uh, boy, did I blow up the clock today? Goodness gracious. So we're giving, we're giving it away today. I can tell you that much. (laughs) All right. So two shout outs, Lanny and Chud X from Greener Postures. Wanted to let listeners know about an event coming up this month in Northwest Washington State. Elena Freeland. Uh, 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 have you heard of her? I haven't. All right. She, she, I think she did the um, uh, part of it. Her stuff was electromagnetic pollution and the, the things that people think that you have in you, like a neoprenes or something. Mm. We'll be speaking at the VFW Hall in Linden, Washington on Saturday, March 26th at 5 p.m. $10 donation at the door. You may have heard Alana, it's Alana Freeland on the Higher Side Chats. I have, or Crow777. She is author of books such as Geoengineered Transhumanism, Under an Ionized Sky, yes, and Chemtrails, Harp, and the Full Spectrum Dominance of Planet Earth, yes. Alana will have books for sale after she speaks, cash only. 
For more information, you can follow at Greener Postures on Instagram or email greenerpostures at protonmail.com. And I did want to say, I want to give another shout out to David Johnson, whose dad, William Johnson, is running for state Senate in Massachusetts, despite his objection, because he does not have a lot of faith in voting or any hope for Massachusetts. But (laughs) he is standing by his dad, who is now an anti-war libertarian-leaning Republican. So he does support him in that way. He said they are going to be at, uh, they're going to have a meet and greet this Saturday at 650 New Ludlow Road in South Hadley. And they're going to try to get signatures in the surrounding towns so that they can get him on the ballot. Our friend David is going to be wearing a The Last American Vagabond Question Everything hoodie. So look for him. Say hi to David. And that event starts at 10 a.m. So right on. And I don't know if Binkley's going to do his locals live stream tonight. I doubt it. Yeah. I think he's knee deep in emergency. So yeah. who knows? You make check in properport.locals.com. Thank you so much for your news and insights, Cam. <laughs> you can find us at Propaganda Report. Uh, the, at thepropreport.com or at the Propaganda Report on your favorite podcasting platform. You can also sign up for our premium material at patreon.com slash propaganda report, rockfin.com slash propaganda report, or propreport.locals.com. Have a fantastic rest of your day. We'll see you Monday or in the XR. Bye.